everyone to the Square Circle podcast. Andy here, coming to you from Weymouth and Dorset on this, the eve of Elimination Chamber 2024 from Perth in Australia. Coming up on the show this week, we're going to be talking all about the Elimination Chamber, plus we're going to be giving you the latest news of now, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do. It is very, very straightforward. All you need to do is head to social media. Now, there are two ways, two different ways you can get in contact with us. First of all, Facebook, X, Instagram, and YouTube at TSE Wrestling Pod. Or you can go to Team MOW, which is Maguire on Wrestling. And you can interact with not only me, but hundreds of wrestling fans, plus the man himself, Mike Maguire, and the hosts of ACT. Right. So, have you been? It's going to be a quick one this week. We've got a lot to crack on with, a lot to rop it. Rop in? A lot to... I don't know what I'm trying to say, but here we go. This is it. Kicking off with the news. Now, TNA talent wanted Anthem to meet with Scott Demore, And a TNA talent meeting is scheduled for this Saturday before the TV tapings in New Orleans. And that has been confirmed by PWInsider.com. Early reports suggest that Len Asper, the head of Anthem, will be present at the meetings. Now, last week on all of the shows, we talked about a leaked letter from the TNA roster requesting that Anthem meet with Scott Demore to resolve those issues. However, it appears there won't be a meeting with Demore. Instead, Anthem will meet purely with the talents on Saturday. Now, that does put them in a bit of a precarious situation. And the reason being is that they're going to be working tonight, as in Friday without their concerns being addressed. We'll have more on this, I'm sure, this Sunday as part of Maguire on Wrestling when Mike talks to Dave Meltzer. If not, we will cover it as soon as we know on TSC. Now, CM Punk is all over the news at the moment, whether or not he's going to be in Perth for Elimination Chamber, whether or not he's going to be able to compete in the ring anytime soon. But he has been talking about the crossover between pro wrestling and mixed martial arts. The WWE superstar spoke on this topic during a recent interview with TNT Sports at UFC 298. Bunk was asked about his meeting with Oban Elliott, who he heavily placed and said he had a great future in the sport. He would then add how pro wrestlers love MMA and MMA love wrestling, as the two worlds are very close in stature. And, you know, that in- leads to a really interesting sort of crossover because when TKO was originally formed, we talked on this show about whether or not we would see WWE versus UFC or whatever. And there was a, a bit of a conversation about it and people were saying, nah, it's not going to happen. But how would you feel if it did? So we had a combined card from Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Mandalay Bay, which was WWE versus UFC. I'm quite intrigued 
actually about that. I, I would, I think I'd be up to see it. What do you think? Let me know on social media across all the social, all our socials accounts. Now, back in January, TNA Knockouts champion Jordan Grace popped up in the Royal Rumble. And Josh Alexander has given his thoughts on this monumental moment for the juggernaut during a recent interview with Sports Illustrated. He said, I watched it live and the second her music hit, I got goosebumps. When she locked up with Trin, who I've been lucky enough to build a relationship with over the past year, I welled up. Seeing that moment from my friend, someone who tirelessly puts in the work, she deserved that fanfare, and it's great for TNA, it's great for her, and it's great for our locker room. I thought she had the best performance of anyone in the Royal Rumble, and that is a testament to the talent that she is. Now, Seth Rollins is hopeful that one particular superstar will win the Elimination Chamber this weekend, and that is the Viper, Randy Orton. The world champion hinted during a recent interview where he chose the Viper as his top pick for his WrestleMania XL opponent. He said, I want to face Randy. I owe him one. We had a WrestleMania match many moons ago. Nine years later, we're both in different places. Seth versus Randy on the marquee sounds beautiful. Now, Seth is, of course, referring back to WrestleMania 31, where Orton hit what many call the best RKO ever to secure a victory. We all know this, that Rollins was initially slated to face CM Punk before Punk went down to injury. And there are rumors of a tag match at night one. Hopefully, after tomorrow, we're going to get a clear indication of who, when, and where Seth Rollins will be defending the World Heavyweight title. This past Wednesday on Dynamite, Madison Rain took on the number one contender, the virtuosa Deanna Perazzo, in singles action, which saw the virtuosa pick up a win ahead of the showdown with Tony Storm at Revolution. At one point in the match, Perazzo dropped Rain right on her head, with the referee and ringside physician immediately checking to make sure she was okay. Earlier this week, Rain took to social media to inform everyone that she is fine. She said, hi, I'm okay. Thanks so much to everyone who celebrated my dynamite return and those who checked on me afterwards. To those who have never stepped into a ring, but tweeted awful things at me with zero knowledge of what happened. Thanks for watching and have a great day. Uh, we wish, uh, Madison, all the best and glad that she's not injured uh, coming out of that match against Diana Peraza. Now, PW Insider is reporting that AEW will be returning to the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City, a venue that has hosted the last three Grand Slam television events. However, it was noted that this year's show would be a pay-per-view. Details were lacking until now because andrew zarian from the map men podcast says that forbidden door will be taking place in june at arthur ash but no exact date has yet been given tatsumi naito has a new goal in mind for new japan pro wrestling the iwgp world champion spoke with sports illustrated about the future of New Japan following the departures of both Will Ospreay and Kazuchiki Okada, who both left the company, Ospreay to AEW, and from what we know, Okada as well. Naito says that he wishes them well, but plans on making them regret that decision. He said, good for them. I wish them well, but my job is to make sure that they regret leaving New Japan, and I need to keep defending the title in main events to do that there are fans who might be worried about the future of new japan but anyone watching will be able to see 
that with Tatsui Naito and Los Ingo Bernalables, the Jap- I can never say that, the Japan, there's no cause for concern. As we said, Osprey signed with AEW back in 2023 and will be a full member of the roster from next Wednesday. Okada has yet to determine his future, but the belief is that he will be coming to AEW as well. One of the most highly anticipated video game releases is happening in the next 10 days, and that is WWE 2K24, the WrestleMania Showcase Edition. One superstar who has been heavily rumored to be removed from the game is the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. Now, we're not going to go into the reasons why, but here is an update. A recent report from Mike Straw of Insider Gaming has shed some light on Lesnar's status within 24. According to Straw, Lesnar's character and game files will still be present in the game, but he will not be a playable character. Straw explained that 2K were unable to completely remove Lesnar from the game due to its late-stage development. Lesnar will make minor appearances in various game modes. He was notably absent from the full roster list that was released on the 21st of February. Now, you can check out loads of YouTube creators, including a channel called Assemble and also a creator called What's the Status, where I can pretty much guarantee you that Brock Lesnar will be in the game as a CAW within maybe 24 hours of the game being released because What's the Status is that damn good. Uh, But what do you think? You know, we're not going to go into it. We're not going to talk about the allegations or anything like that. We've decided as a network that we're not going to do that. I kind of like it. I think they've done great damage control. You can't do WrestleMania history without Brock Lesnar. Um, This stage in the development, I think they've done the best thing that they possibly can do considering the situation. An update on Camille. The Brick House hit the free agency market at the beginning of the year after having a dominant run in the National Wrestling Alliance, where she held the Women's Championship for over eight 100 plus days. Multiple reports have come out stating that Camille has had interest from all three major promotions, something that she has confirmed in a brand new YouTube video. She said that she's taken all of January to really think through her options and weigh out the pros and the cons of everything. After much deliberation, I have decided and the company that I've decided to go with. The most recent reports indicate that she is also AEW bound as talks with WWE seem to have ceased. We'll give you more on this as we know it, but stay tuned to Dynamite, Rampage and Collision. Now, there's going to be a Rocky at WrestleMania, but not necessarily the Rocky that we all think, because according to WrestleVotes, the Federation is hoping to do something with legendary actor Sylvester Stallone, who gained mainstream appeal for playing the character of Rocky Balboa in the Rocky film series. The character's legacy is tied to the city of Philadelphia, where, which is where WrestleMania 40 is taking place. The report notes that there is no confirmation that this is a guarantee, but just something that WWE hopes to do. Stallone is no stranger to wrestling fans. He was one of the many guests who inducted Hulk Hogan into the WWE Hall of Fame back in 2005. Bobby Roode has given an update, speaking with Chris Van Vliet on his podcast, stating that he actually can wrestle if he wanted to. He said that he's been green-lighted. He is medically cleared 
his fusion has completely fused. So as far as like looking at it from a medical point of view, it's safe to get back into the ring. However, he also goes on to say that he is 48 years old. He's lost a lot of body shape and he's doing what he wanted to do being a producer. So don't expect to see him back in the ring anytime soon. A biographical film regarding the nature boy, Ric Flair, is in the works. The Rap is reporting that The Rock, that name again, production company Seven Bucks Productions, is developing the story about the nature boy and his historic pro wrestling career. Rocky, along with Danny Garcia, Hiram Garcia and Kevin Misher of Misher Films are all involved with the project. This was the same team that collaborated on the Fighting With My Family movie, a film based on the life of Soraya. In the statement to the rap, The Rock said the following about the film and about the nature boy, Ric Flair. As a kid who grew up in professional wrestling, I idolized the nature boy. He was a hero to me. And once I broke into the wrestling business and began to spill my own sweat and blood, my reverence for Rick turned to respect because i realized just how rare and impossible it is to disrupt the business culture and truly change the game and that's exactly what rick flair did this project is personal and we can't wait to tell his unbelievable story as always thank you for the house rick flair has had one of the most illustrious careers within professional wrestling a recognized former 16-time world heavyweight champion he is currently signed with all elite where he has appeared alongside Sting, who is scheduled to have his last match at Revolution. But what side is he going to be in? Is it going to be the Young Bucks? Or is it going to be Sting? Now, here was an update on the grizzled young veterans. Now, James Drake and Zach Gibson, our own, the UK's own, uh, have competed in multiple dates for TNA since being released from WWE. Many people assume that they had signed with the promotion, but that is not the case. And the former NXT UK, UK tag team champions are still free agents and working independently, according to Fightful Select. Drake and Gibson did tell Fightful they won't rule out a contract with someone soon, whether that be TNA, AEW, or even back with the WWE. The GYV worked as the dyad in their final WWE days, and they will challenge ABC, which is Ace Austin and Chris Bay, for the TNA World Tag Team titles at this weekend's No Surrender pay-per-view. We'll give you coverage of that next week on the show. Now, that's this week in the news. Some big things happening there, all of which are potentially having an impact to WrestleMania, Revolution, and to tomorrow night's Elimination Chamber. Right. What have we got coming up on this show? Well, Wrestling History is up next. Going to be a different format this time because Wrestling History, so much has happened in the years that have gone by. So let's kick it off, shall we? For anyone who doesn't know how this works, we look back at the week that was. And we're going to be kicking off from February the 18th through to February the 24th. Now, in 1991, on February the 18th, during an interview segment at the TV tapings for superstars in Orlando, then WWF champion Sergeant Slaughter was asked as part of the creative build to his WrestleMania 7 feud with Hulk Hogan to burn the American flag, that iconic scene 
Slaughter, who was portraying an anti, uh, who was playing an Iraqi sympathizer, sorry, at the time, refused and instead burnt a Hulk Hogan T-shirt on the segment. Now, this is one of the most iconic moments if you look at WrestleMania Seven, to quote uh, Alex Trebek, because it was the first time that you've seen what they considered to be Americana, the glory of America going up in flames. And actually, it was, I think, more symbolic for the worldwide audience to see the Hulk Hogan t-shirt go up than it was to see the Stars and Stripes. This would be one of the most iconic matches in WrestleMania and the main event of WrestleMania 7, which ultimately saw the immortal Hulk Hogan walk out as the WWF champion. Also, on February the 18th, 1993, Kerry Von Erich passed away aged 33. He was part of the legendary Von Erich family and worked for the WCCW promotion, which was, of course, run by his father. He held over 40 championships in various promotions and feuded in both single and tag team action against the likes of Ric Flair, King Kong Bundy, The King, Jerry Lawler, and the fabulous Freebirds. In the summer of 1990, Von Erich joined the WWF and defeated Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam of that year. His only WrestleMania appearance was against Dino Bravo at WrestleMania 7. Again, in 1991, the Von Erichs were inducted into the Hall of Fame by Michael Hayes on the night before the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania held in Houston, Texas. Now, I recently watched, in fact, last week, the Iron Claw movie regarding the Von Erichs. And if you haven't seen it, please, please go out of your way to do so. One of the best wrestling biopics I have ever had the pleasure to sit down and watch. And we will be doing coverage of that uh, in the coming weeks. And I want to know what you think of the Iron Claw. Let me know on social media. And finally, on February the 18th, 2013, on an episode of Monday Night Raw, WWE champion The Rock unveiled the new belt that has stayed ever since and would replace the spinner belt design and ironically was in a promo with dashing Cody Rhodes. February the 19th of 1995, going to WCW now. Hulk Hogan retained the World Heavyweight Championship by DQ against Vader in the main event of Super Brawl 5 from Baltimore, Maryland. Sting and the Macho Man were victorious over Avalanche and Big Bubba Rogers. And Harlem Heat retained the WCW Tag Team titles against the Nasty Boys. And in 2012, both Daniel Bryan and CM Punk retained the WWE and World Heavyweight Championships in the two featured Elimination Chamber matches that took place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at Elimination Chamber 2012. February the 20th in 1994, we're going to go back to WCW for Super Brawl 4, where Ric Flair retained the WCW World Heavyweight title again against Vader in the main event Thundercades match. Brian Pillman, Sting, and the natural Dustin Rhodes were victorious over Paul Orndorff, ravishing Rick Rude and stunning Steve Austin in a six-man Thundercades match. Cactus Jack and Max Payne picked up a disqualification win over the World Tag Team Champions, Nobs and Sags, and Nasty Boys, and our very own Lord Stephen Regal retained the WCW World Television title by pinfall against the Enforcer AA Arna Anderson. Shooting forward to 1995 in WWF, 
the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, introduced Psycho Sid as his new bodyguard on both the live and taped editions of Raw from Macon, Georgia. In the main event of the live edition, Michaels defeated the British Bulldog. At the TV tapings, champion Diesel defeated Intercontinental champion Jeff Jarrett and Lex Luger defeated Tatanka by countout. 2000 in WCW was an interesting time for a lot of different reasons, but none more than this. Sid Vicious retained the WCW World Heavyweight Championship in the main event triple threat match against Double J, Jeff Jarrett, and the outsider, Scott Hall. Ric Flair pinned Terry Funk in a Texas death match. Super Brawl is all over this week in wrestling history, and that continues on February the 21st. In 1993, at Super Brawl 3 from the Asheville Civic Center in Asheville, North Carolina, the sole title change on the show saw Barry Windham defeat the Great Muda to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And in the main event, Big Van Vader beat Sting in a White Castle of Fear leather strap match. I've recently watched this. In fact, I've watched a lot of the Super Brawls uh, over the last few weeks. And the promos for this leather strap match, this White Castle of Fear, were brilliant. It was so corny, so cartoony, uh, but really kind of goes to show why Sting was such an icon of WCW. And actually, if you think about 93, 94, 95, how dominating Vader was in that main event scene at WCW. It's a shame that from 1996, when he went to the WWF, he never quite got the traction that he did in WCW. On the same day in 1999, Super Brawl 9 was WCW's second pay-per-view of the year and took place at the Oakland Arena in Oakland, California. In the main event, Hollywood Hogan retained the World Championship against the Nature Boy. Woo! Elsewhere, the outsiders Scott Hall and Kevin Ash defeated Conan and Rey Mysterio in a hair versus mask match. As a result, Mysterio had to remove the mask for the first time in his career. Barry Windham and Kurt Hennig of the West Texas Rednecks won the WCW Tag Titles against Chris Benoit, and Dean Malenko in a tournament final. Moving over to the WWE, this time in 2010, it was the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view took place at the Scott Trade Center in St. Louis, Missouri. On a night of high drama and two chamber matches, both major WWE titles changed hands. In the first chamber match, John Cena defended the championship against Sheamus, Triple H, Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase Jr. and Kofi Kingston. Immediately after, though, it was decreed that Cena must defend the title against the animal Batista. The animal won the match and the title in just 31 seconds. In the main event, Chris Jericho won the World Heavyweight Championship in a chamber match against champion The Undertaker, Rey Mysterio, John Morrison, R-Truth, and the Second City Saint, CM Punk. The win came after Jericho's hated rival, Shawn Michaels, helped him to win the match in order to anger The Undertaker and goad him into agreeing to face Michaels in a rematch at WrestleMania from the previous year's show of shows encounter. Staying with WrestleMania, staying with The Undertaker, one year later in 2011, in one of the most unique segments in Raw history, both The Undertaker and Triple H made their WWE returns 
and confronted each other, agreeing to a match at the upcoming WrestleMania. What was unique about the segment was the whole thing played out without either wrestler or the announcers saying a word. On the same show, the Tag Team Championship changed hands twice. Firstly, Cena and The Miz defeated the core. They then lost them back to the former champions just five minutes later. February the 22nd, 1993, was the first ever appearance of the immortal Hulk Hogan on Raw. This was his first appearance with the company since WrestleMania 8 the prior year, and of course was the beginning of the setup for the WrestleMania 9 tag team match between him and Brutus the Barber Beefcake against Ted DiBiase and IRS Money Incorporated. And we will be covering WrestleMania 9 in the run-up to Mania. 1998 saw Super Brawl 8, uh, the annual February pay-per-view taking place at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. It was an eventful night, capped by Sting defeating Hulk Hogan to win the World Championship. The belt had been previously vacant after a series of screwy, dusty finishes between the two. Earlier on the card, the Outsiders, Hall and Nash, defeated the Steiners to win the tag team titles, when Scott turned his back on Rick, thus ending the long-standing brother tag team. Booker T beat Rick Martel for the television title, and Chris Jericho, the Cruiserweight champion, won a mask versus title match against Juventud Guerrera, which meant the luchador was forced to unmask. In 2016, on an episode of Raw in Detroit, Shane McMahon returned to the WWF for the first time since 2009. The return was met with a huge ovation, with Shane coming back, kayfabe, to take control of the WWE. The segment ended with Shane being offered control and possession of a lockbox if he could beat The Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania of that year. February the 23rd, 1997, saw Super Brawl 7 take place at the Cow Palace, which featured WCW World Championship match Hollywood Hogan defend against Rowdy Roddy Piper. Earlier on in the card, Lex Luger and the Giant won the WCW titles from the Outsiders. It's also iconic date for this reason in 2002, as Ring of Honor was first born when it hosted its first ever event at the Murphy Recreation Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The first main event saw Loki defeat the fallen angel Christopher Danielson, uh, Christopher Daniels and the American Dragon Brian Danielson in a triple threat. One year later, in 2003, WWE No Way Out took place at the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec. The main event saw a rematch from WrestleMania X8 with The Rock defeating Hulk Hogan with yet another homage to the Montreal Screwjob. Also on the card, Steve Austin had his first WWE match since walking out of the company when he defeated Eric Bischoff in a short match. Matt Hardy also beat Billy Kidman for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. February the 24th, 1991, you will be pleased to know, is not Super Brawl, but it is WCW Wrestle War took place at the Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Phoenix, Arizona. The main event was War Games that saw the team of Larry Zabisco and the Horsemen, well, three of them, Ric Flair, Barry Windham, and Sid Vicious, gain the victory over Sting, the Steiners, and Flyin' Brian. That's my 
Gary Michael Capetta impression. Also on the show, the fabulous Freebirds, Michael Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin defeated Doom, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed to win the WCW World Tag Team titles. In 1997, WWE taped an episode of Raw at the Manhattan Center for the very last time to that point. The show wound up as one of the most historic Raw shows of all time. LOD made their return to the WWF for the first time since SummerSlam 1992 with a win over the Headbangers. In addition, ECW invaded the show to further the ECW versus King Jerry Lawler angle and to promote the first pay-per-view barely legal. The show featured three ECW matches. Tommy Dreamer defeated Devon Dudley. Taz beat Mikey Whipwreck and Stevie Richards beat Little Guido, as well as appearances from Paul Heyman, The Eliminators, Sabu, The Blue Meanie, Nova, Bubba, 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 Bubba Ray Dudley, The Sandman, New Jack, and Bill Alfonso. Also of note, Ken Shamrock made his first on-camera WWE appearance as he was shown as a supposed invited guest to Raw. In a twist of irony, the next show WWE would promote in this venue would be the iconic ECW One Night Stand in 2005, their one-night-only revival of the brand that they purchased out of bankruptcy in 2001. And last but not least, 2014, the wrestling media landscape changed forever when the WWE Network officially was launched. Initially only available in the USA, the on-demand service, which famously cost $9.99 per month, featured the biggest and best wrestling programming archive in history, including every single WWE, WCW, and ECW pay-per-view, all episodes of Raw, SmackDown, and Nitro, and thousands of other shows. It also showed every new WWE Live and soon to become home to an incredible amount of original exclusive content. And of course, the network will be closing at the end of this year with all content moving internationally to Netflix. Whew, that's a lot happened this week in wrestling history. All right, coming up next, it's the Elimination Chamber. I told you we're going at rapid speed this week. We've got a lot to get through. Uh, so the Elimination Chamber goes down live on the WWE Network in Perth in Australia. But what are the ramifications going to be for WrestleMania? This segment is going to be giving you the preview of what I think is going to happen in the matches. Next week, we will give you the results. Now, we know that Grayson Waller is going to be at the event. He's going to be doing a Grayson Waller effect with Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. And my prediction is that will be the announcement of the tag team match at night one of Mania XL. We have been told by Triple H in a media interview that The Rock is not in Australia. However, this is The Rock. And recent reports would indicate that Australia agreed to do it as long as The Rock was there. So I'm expecting the bloodline to make an appearance tonight, tomorrow at the pay-per-view, and for that match to be announced. Now, we have three championships on the line at the Elimination Chamber itself, kicking off with the women's tag team titles. The Kabuki Warriors with EO Sky will face off against Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. Now, we've obviously seen the dissolution, the devolvement of damage control 
thanks to Bailey challenging EO Sky for the Women's Championship at WrestleMania XL. We've seen the split. We've seen Dakota Kai choose sides. I cannot see them dropping the women's tag team titles to Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. So for that reason and that reason only, I'm going with the Kabuki Warriors. However, saying that, I am expecting to see Bailey at the Elimination Chamber. Not quite sure what role she will play, but I think she will be the ones to get involved. Now, whether or not that is to cost the Kabuki Warriors or to inadvertently have them retain, but I'm still going with the Kabuki Warriors. The men's tag team titles are up for grabs as the Judgment Day uh, Senor Money in the Bank, Damian Priest, and Finn Balor will face off against New Cats Republic, Pete Dunne, and Tyler Bate. As much as I am a Brit and I will support my own guys all the way, this has to go the Judgment Day. They are going to be the ones all over this pay-per-view tonight. It will be Judgment Day Central. So they will retain the tag team titles. Just like Rhea Ripley, the hometown girl, will retain the Women's World Championship against Nia Jax. They are not going to take Ripley to Australia and have her drop the Women's Championship, especially when they have been promoting this big match between Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley. Because don't, you know, have no... Don't think against this. Don't bet your hedges against this. Becky Lynch is going to win the chamber, right? They are promoting it. They have kicked it off at WrestleMania kickoff event. Bianca Belair could be there talking. Liv Morgan could be there talking. This is fodder. Becky Lynch will win the chamber and face Rhea Ripley, who is going to destroy Nia Jax. And that's your night one main event for the women. But what about the men? Well, the men, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, LA Knight, yeah, Kevin Owens, and Logan Paul. We know Seth Rollins wants it to be Randy Orton. Realistically, I think there's an argument for two superstars. One being the Scottish warrior, Drew McIntyre, and the second being LA Knight. Yeah. Sorry. I have really been up and down, tossing and turning about which one I think would win this match because there is an argument to state that both Mac uh, McIntyre and Knight have got the right reasons to win McIntyre. As far as we know, she hasn't signed a contract LA Knight, Yeah. Is over. And if the prediction of what we think is going to happen at WrestleMania comes out, then the WWE championship will be coming to raw, which means SmackDown will need the world heavyweight title. Therefore, I'm predicting LA Knight, who will then go to WrestleMania, defeat Seth Rollins, be at the top of the mountain, and have the world championship on SmackDown. Now, let us know what you think is going to happen, and stay tuned to the Facebook page at Team MOW, because I'm sure the guys are going to be doing live commentary, uh, live comments all the way through elimination chamber uh act will be here tomorrow night on saturday mike will be back on sunday i will be back the following week we're all going to be talking about elimination chamber and what the knock-on is going to be to wrestlemania xl make no mistakes about it this one has got some huge implications for wrestlemania xl what will the bloodline do 
What will happen to Cody and Rollins? Who will Rollins be defending against at Mania? We're going to find out in Australia tomorrow morning on the WWE Network. It's the countdown, folks. It's the one of the last pay-per-views to air on the network. We have only got 10 more pay-per-views to go on the WWE Network before it is closed. So get your tickets now, $9.99, or however much it is on it. Or if you're on Peacock in the States or whatever. This is it. Elimination Chamber tomorrow night. I want to know what you think. Let me know your thoughts. I will use them on the show. Um, it's been a massive one. It's run not as long as we normally do. Got a lot to cover in this one, and I think we've done it. Uh, tonight, I am going to be going to Ultimate Pro Wrestling in my hometown of Weymouth. I'm going to be seeing some action, some in-ring wrestling action. I will try and get you some coverage from the event tonight and we'll post that on the youtube and possibly on the facebook page uh until then thank you for joining me pleasure as always to be with you as part of team mow i will see you very soon until then see you at the matches so long bye bye